Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So, Hawaii yesterday, the uh, alarm that there was a nuclear missile attack, for real, this is not a drill, is what it said on the uh, on the uh, boards in Hawaii. That was the message. My guest is Colonel Peter Mansour, the author of Surge, My Journey with General David Petraeus, and the Remaking of the Iraq War. Colonel Mansour was the executive officer to General Petraeus, and he joins us on the Roy Green Show. We're going to make a decision here. We were going to have only a few minutes with uh, Colonel Mansour, but we're going to change the schedule here and spend a little more time with the Colonel on this important story. Colonel Mansour, thank you so much for the story, for the time. And, and, and how does this happen? How does Everybody wants to know, how could it happen that such a terrifying alert, this is not a drill, is sent? <laughs> Well, I would be glib and say never uh, underestimate the incompetence of civil service, but that's exactly what it was in this case. There was a, a shift change in the uh, command center in Hawaii, and understandably, the, the shifts go through a, a drill to make sure that the oncoming shift is ready to go, and someone hit the toggle on the uh, software that sent out a real-world alert. Uh, that a ballistic missile was inbound to Hawaii. And what the astonishing thing is no one noticed it. And then when they did, they had no way to retract the message. It was a simple uh, sheer incompetence. So there's no way to knock that off. There's no way to, because people have been asking, why was it out there for as long as it was? Were there political games being played? No, that was not the case. And then they've now put in a procedure where they can recall the message immediately. They, they were able to do it on social media, Twitter and Facebook and so forth. But what they weren't able to do is send out another cell phone message to all those cell phones saying, uh, disregard previous message, it was an error. Very disturbing to watch how people reacted. It gave you an idea of what the public response would be were the message to be real. There's nowhere to go. You can't hide. You saw the father pushing his children down a, a, a maintenance uh, hole after lifting the cover off. Anything to pr- protect in any way. Um, Colonel Mansier, how does the military respond to, to something like this? Is there uh, heightened awareness, heightened uh, um, alerts that, that, uh, that exist? Well, uh, ironically, it was the North American uh, Air Defense Command that sent out the first uh, message about 14 minutes, I guess, after the uh, first message went out that said there's no incoming missile. And so there is constant monitoring of the airspace over North Korea and the missile threat, and the military was fairly much on top of it. This was uh, a civil error in terms of the civil defense uh, organization in the state of Hawaii. So the military would not react to that? Uh, no, the military would not react to the the message. They'd, mon- they'd rely on their own systems, their own radars and so forth, which showed that uh, nothing was happening. 
So there, there's no shock down the system. It doesn't uh, knock over dominoes all the way to the Oval Office and the president who has to make a decision on, what do I do now? Uh, no, the, not in this case. But, you know, ironically, there is a Cold War episode in uh, 1983, I think it was, where a Soviet officer in the command center in Moscow got a real-world incoming missile alert and had to make the decision whether to notify the uh, Soviet premier, and he decided not to. And in, in that case, it, it turned out also to be a false alarm, a software glitch. Um, and he was um, he was not treated well by the military. They thought that he should have uh, performed his duty and and uh, perhaps instigated nuclear war by alerting the, the high command of incoming uh, missiles that weren't in the air. Wow. Because I, I re- read something earlier today about that, also the shooting down of the Korean Airlines passenger jet by a Soviet fighter plane, and there'd been an American spy plane. They say in the, loitering was the word in the area, and the Soviets weren't sure what was going on, and they felt that it could be uh, the first step of a preemptive attack by the United States on the Soviet Union, and maybe they would respond because if you if you're second in this game of getting your missiles off, you're the loser. Yeah, uh, you might be the loser, but I think the, the key to deterrence is to have a uh, secure second strike capability and to be able to ride out a first strike. And that would also allow you to overcome mistakes like this where there really is no danger. And uh, what you don't want is someone uh, shooting off retaliatory weapons, missiles, or launching aircraft when, um, when it's just a software glitch like mm-hmm. this. And this isn't about, when we talk about nuclear weapons, we're not talking about numbers on a scoreboard. We're talking about annihilation. Yeah, nuclear weapons, the, the latest um, nuclear weapon that North Korea tested is about three times the size of the one that destroyed Hiroshima. So these are, these are not small devices. Um, and as far as uh, what to do, um, I, I think the, uh, you know, there's very little that civilians can do. I mean, we went through this point in the Cold War where people were making fallout shelters in their basements and so mm-hmm. forth. I, I think it's just a exercise in futility. If the weapon hits and you're in its blast zone, you're probably going to die. Um, I, I hope these sorts of incidents and bringing up what you did about 1983, I hope I, I would hope that it would alert us to really the, the folly of these massive weapons because nobody ultimately will win. It'll be it'll be the end for everybody. If everything's fired off, if both arsenals or all the arsenals in the world are fired off, that's it. Well, clearly, pretty much, right? A major nuclear exchange between, say, Russia and the United States, it could destroy the entire planet. Uh, it'll destroy the uh, the atmosphere, if nothing else, with nuclear fallout. But a nuclear exchange with North Korea, although it would be devastating to South Korea, Japan, and and maybe even cities in North America, um, the only nation it would absolutely destroy would be North Korea, which Mm -hmm. would be obliterated. Uh, So I'm not sure that Kim Jong-un wants to launch a a first strike. I think he believes his nuclear arsenal is uh, a deterrent against a U.S. uh, attempt or a Chinese attempt at unseating him from power, and I think that's the way he views uh, these devices as defensive in nature. Colonel Mansour, how dangerous a world do we live in now? We, you and I have talked about 
the issue of uh, terrorism, uh, particularly when ISIS still controlled a lot of land, a lot of territory in Syria and Iraq. But there's the specter of terrorism hanging over everyone. There's the specter of North Korea. There's the uncertainty of the relationship between Russia and Ukraine. And it just seems that there are trigger points, maybe globally, that could start something really significant. Significant? Uh, am I right? Am I wrong? Is this a more dangerous world than we've experienced for some time? Well, I think you're right. Now, the Cold War was really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You had the stability of a bipolar world order that sort of brought a measure of predictability to it. What's happened since 2001 is the unleashing of potential great power conflict, the unleashing of, of global terrorism, the unleashing of these small wars that the United States uh, continues to fight, the rise of ISIS and so forth, Russia uh, trying to reassert itself on the world stage, North Korea. And what it has led to is unpredictability in the world system. And when you have unpredictability, you have the potential for massive conflict that we haven't really seen since, uh, since the Korean War. I'm just thinking about the people who have the responsibility to operate the war machinery, if you will, the, uh, the, the militaries. And, and you know so well about what happens inside the United States military, and that's always been what we've relied on to protect us, and that's what the, the Western world has relied on, the United States presence to provide protection. Um, and I, I hear that from some people that the U.S. military, because of lack of funding under the Obama regime, is not as prepared as it was, and needs to be better prepared, uh, at least as far as equipment is concerned and, and, and personnel is concerned. Is, is all of that true, or is that overstated? Oh, there's a degree of truth to that. Uh, the U.S. military is well-funded, but in, most of its funds go towards personnel costs, and so it's uh, put aside a generation of, of weapons procurement that now needs uh, to be done. Um, it has a uh, lack of money for readiness and training, and although it's still quite capable, it's not perhaps quite the, uh, the sort of deterrence that we wish it would be. Now, the, the one thing that is really well-funded, and more funds are probably going to be put into it, is ballistic missile defense, because that is really our first line of defense against a North Korean missile attack, which is really, I think, the most um, uh, probable or, or possible uh, existential threat that uh, the United States and uh, North America faces. You mentioned North America, and we have about a minute. You must be thrilled. Americans must be thrilled over the fact that our prime minister has decided not to buy new fighter jets for our air force, but to go and buy the uh, the, the scrap the the Australians were ready to to turf. Well, uh, I, I haven't been tracking the issue, but uh, you know, it always helps when you have commonality in equipment and parts, and um, it would be helpful if Canada and the United States operate pretty much the same equipment when possible. Yeah. Well, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, Colonel Mansour. Thank you so very much, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you again. And uh, the book is Surge, My Journey with General David Petraeus and the Remaking of the Iraq War. It's a great read. Thanks again, Colonel Mansour. Thanks, Roy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We'll come right back on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.